Well, I almost finished my fantasy book. And like we've talked about a whole bunch on this uh, podcast, I had to go back and find something that I wanted to read because I don't know what the heck to read anymore. So I thought, okay, I've read all the Anne McCaffrey books. I know Todd McCaffrey isn't exactly my favorite, but at least I like the world. So I decided to read Dragon's Blood. It's all about, well, actually, this one's kind of interesting because it goes back in time to uh, Wind Blossom. Part of it's set in Wind Blossom's era, which is just after the, the founding of Pern. Um, yeah, I think she's the daughter of Kitty Ping, who made the dragons. Um, and then the other part is set like 500 years after where Lorana, and this part I thought was really cool. Lorana is basically like a dragon empath. So like she can, you know, feel the dragon's emotions and she can feel when they're in between and stuff. I thought the feeling in between was a bit much. I would have taken that out if I was writing it, but I wasn't. So um, it's pretty it's an interesting twist on sort of the old Pern thing with the dragon empathy and they're trying to solve a, a plague that's affecting dragons and their lungs and stuff. Um, I didn't completely finish it. I think I have three hours to go, but I, I thought it was surprisingly good. I thought I would end up bailing halfway through because I don't feel that Todd McCaffrey has vocabulary as his mom, but it was pretty cool. Um, and then I looked on the Bard website, and I think there's like four or five uh, Pern books dealing with various plagues and flus, and that was kind of interesting. I don't know that I would have noticed that if I hadn't looked up all the books. <laughs> and most of them were by Anne, or Anne and Todd, and it's like, oh, okay, someone kind of ran out of material at some point, but oh well. I mean, that series was a big hit, so. I think writers get tired of writing the same series over and over and over again. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's just a ton of them, and I I think that she probably should have stopped, like, 10, 20 books before she did, because then it would have stayed a lot more original, but... Mm -hmm. Well, I think she was. You know, I think all the weirs of Pern was an attempt to stop, and nobody would let her. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that makes more sense then. Yeah, because, you know, okay, that, that explains quite a bit. Because, yeah, of course, she doesn't want to write you know, the same darn thing over and over again. That's really boring. <laughs> Well, the same thing happened with Arthur Conan Doyle and Sherlock Holmes. He was trying to quit writing him. He even killed off his primary character, and they had to bring him back. <laughs> yeah, I heard about that. That was really kind of special. Apparently, they were derived from like a comic book series or something. Conan the Barbarian. I only know that because my boyfriend's really into comics, so I sort of got dragged into it. I think I think it was Conan Doyle that wrote the Conan the Barbarian series. I don't know why anybody oh, okay. would want to watch Conan the Barbarian, but 
<laughs> yeah, I don't I don't get their appeal myself, but the only Sherlock Holmes books I liked were the Mercedes Lackey ones. Those were really cool. I only read those because I was desperate, but they happened to be a happy read instead of a desperation read after all. So that was fun. I wish he'd come out. I kind of wish he'd come out with another book where, like, even though it's totally cheesy, like one book where, like, the heroine Nan would find a guy and then the heroine Sarah would find a guy. <laughs> <laughs> How desperate I am for new material. <laughs> Have you read any of the Irene Adler books by Carol Nelson Douglas? No, I've never even heard of her. Is she your, the person you want to talk about, or is she someone different? She's someone different. Basically, okay. it, she's a she's the woman. Irene Adler was the woman in the, a scandal in Bohemia that outwitted Sherlock Holmes, and she actually they this lady wrote a whole series, and I think they're all on Bard, and it's from oh, the woman's awesome. point of view. And they're different mysteries. They're not, you know, they start out with the the first one. I think that one's called Good Night, Mr. Holmes. And then there's about five or five or six of them. And they get into Jack the Ripper and I don't know what all else. No, oh, that sounds like fun. Okay, but they're mysteries. They're not. You know, they're not like fantasy things that we switch genres here. Okay. No, they're not. That's cool, too, though. I was looking for new stuff to read. I'll have to check that out. Irene Adler? Yeah. And they're all on, the whole series is on Bard, I think. Well, that's even better. I can save my Audible credits. Well, I saw a book being released, and I I call it fantasy. It's the last. I think it's the last book in Diane Duane's Young Wizard series. It. Uh, starts out with this girl finding a book and goes through her, her learning how to with her learning how to be a wizard and she meets a boy who's also a wizard and then they go I forget let's see there's one where they go into start talking to whales and they have to go down to the bottom of the sea to fix a problem and then there's oh, one yeah. in Ireland. I and I read a few of those. I think this was the last one, and somebody re finally put it on. Problem is, she never did really write very many books. Or if they did, they never got put into Bard. Because I really liked her style of reading. This one is, the title is... The Wizard of Mars, I think, or Wizard on <laughs> Mars. And they go to Mars and start revivifying a race that was on Mars about 785,000 years ago. 
Oh, cool. And then they're getting the, this race is getting ready to invade Earth, and they finally get everything to turn out okay. Rather interestingly, um, but you know. I'm having real trouble finding any kind of books to read anymore. I'm good. I actually went back and read Star Trek books to show you how desperate I'm getting. Oh gosh. Phoebe has not the meaning. Oh dear. I think Phoebe got kicked out. Are you still here, Marshall? Yep. Okay. Um, I've got to see if I can figure out how to turn off this Zoom alert because I'm muted. But it's bonking at me while I hold down the space <laughs> bar, and I find that annoying. Yeah, I can hear that. I didn't want to say anything, but oh no, how obnoxious. Well, I don't like this client very much. Phoebe has joined the meeting. Okay, let. Hi, Phoebe. Hi, guys, everybody, okay? Marshall, yep. I hear you. Hi. <laughs> I'm okay if I could figure out how to turn off this beeping while I turn on, I have my space bar held down. There's a beeping when you unmute, you mean, with the space bar? The way to stop speaking, the speakers, you know, somebody's joining the meeting, is insert, Jaws, you know, the insert space S. And you won't hear them saying so-and-so's joined the meeting, so-and-so's left the meeting or whatever. Hi, Julia and Phoebe, I guess, right? Hello. Let's see what's going on. What am I doing here? Well, go ahead, Phoebe. All right, sorry. The battery on my phone is dying. But anyway... Been talks pretty fast. So uh, this past month, I've been reading the um, Dragonlance Legends trilogy. It is set um, in the same world as the original trilogy, of course. And it's set after the original trilogy of uh, the Dragonlance Chronicles. And um, the Legends trilogy follows the twins... Raceland and Caramon as uh, takes place maybe two or three years after the end of um, the first trilogy. And so by this time, well, it obviously spoils some stuff for, um, you know, the first three books, but um, by this time, Raceland is a, well, one of, the most powerful wizards on Crin, uh, if not the most powerful one. And, um, well, he's 
you know, gone over to the dark side, as it were. And um, his uh, twin, Karaman, is, um, you know, not happy about Raceland's choices. And he's also kind of up to that point um his whole life has been kind of looking out for Raceland and you know taking care of him because Raceland is physically uh quite frail and um you know Karaman's this big strong warrior and um but as Raceland gets more uh, you know magically powerful he doesn't need Karaman anymore and so when the book starts, um, Karaman is, you know, just this kind of pathetic drunk guy. And um, Gracelyn has this plan to uh, kill the goddess of evil and take her place. And, um, you know, people don't think that's a good idea. Um, and um, so... The book follows uh, Raceland um, as he, you know, he has, you know, his plan. And um, there's also a cleric, a good cleric of um, Paladine who is trying to stop him and, you know, if possible, redeem him for the forces of good and, you know, she's kind of falling in love with him um, as, you know, he deliberately is manipulating her into um, seeing all the best, you know, parts of him and hiding all his evil motives. And because he needs her for part of his plan. Um, and uh, also there is uh, Karaman and, Tasselhoff, uh, the Kender, um, are also trying to stop Raceland. And um, so Raceland has this plan to go back in time because um, the part of history, which is right after the cataclysm, is when um, the gods abandon Kryn for a few hundred years or so. And so he has this plan to go back in time. And once the gods leave, uh, he will be, oh, actually, no, sorry. Um, he, his plan is to go back in time and learn from the most powerful wizard in history. And then, um, so Karaman and uh, the cleric Persania are also sent back in time to try to stop him. And Tesselhoff kind of tags along, even though he's not supposed to, because, of course, um, he's a kender, and kenders always go where they're not supposed to go. And, yeah, that's kind of, yeah, that's the mainly the plot of the first book. And so far I've read, well, like, the first two and a half books of the trilogy, and I like it so far. I've heard that, you know, the quality of all the Dragonlance books, you know, is not really, well, that it goes downhill um, in later books, but I thought this trilogy was pretty good. 
I liked it a lot. Yeah, I really liked the first book. I think I started reading what was I think there's a prequel called Brothers in Arms. I don't know if that's part of a trilogy or not, where like Graceland is little and stuff. Um and then it goes to when he's a teenager and I have to keep reading it, but um I should go back and reread that again, see if there's more. I thought that was that's cool to watch them sort of grow up. Yeah, and like in this series, it has some flashbacks to um, Raceland and Karaman's childhood, and you know, it's really, I um, it's really interesting seeing how you know sweet and um, kind of very likable he was as a kid, and you know how he turned into this really ambitious, um, you know wanting power above everything else kind of guy and yeah yeah i think i'll go back and reread that series um because as i've said before i'm having real trouble finding stuff i want to read Yeah, I really like the setting of these books. The, you know, classic dragons and elves and dwarves and stuff. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is not as popular today as it used to be. And I miss it. Yeah, me too. I'm actually, well, I don't know if I told you guys this. I'm trying to write a fantasy novel like that, actually. Um, my boyfriend and I are brainstorming the different ideas. I have quite a few notes on different things, but um, because I got so sick of like reading crappy fantasy that (laughs) okay, fine, I'll just write some. (laughs) (laughs) But I have to really get serious about it or it'll just be a whole bunch of notes (laughs) (laughs) so it's frustrating to have these ideas and then just not do it day after day and like oh great another month's gone by I haven't worked on my book this is getting annoying I was going to say maybe we should um, implement the whole like going back and talking about books we've already read, but I don't know. We seem to be having trouble coming up with the first books. (laughs) I could talk about one of my favorite books. I don't think I've mentioned it here before. Um, Sure. yeah, it's uh, it's called To Say Nothing of the Dog, and it is by Connie Willis. Um, I think it's technically part of a series, but I never read the uh, first book, which was, I think, the Doomsday book. I never actually finished that book. Oh, that was <laughs> but, really good. 
Yeah, but I like um, to say nothing of the dog. Uh, it's very, well, it follows um, a character named Ned, I want to say. And as he is sent back in time to find this um, specific object that so that he can describe it for, um, you know, a rich uh, patron of his, you know, time travel company want, um, sh- who wants to build this cathedral, which is, you know, exactly historically accurate. Um, and so Ned is sent back in time. And um, of course, um, he has been doing so much uh, time travel that, you know, it affects his brain so that he has trouble kind of comprehending his instructions so when he actually gets back in time he doesn't remember exactly what he's supposed to do and um (laughs) he ends up you know talking to the wrong person and he um he's basically his well okay a bunch of you know mistakes are made and he's supposed to um, return this cat back to where it came from because someone, uh, one of the other time travelers accidentally brought it um, into the future, which, you know, they didn't think was possible, but um, they thought, you know, they thought um, that, you know, the solution would be to, you know, bring it back to where it came from. And so he goes back, but of course he can't remember his instructions and uh he ends up losing the cat and um you know the book is a bunch of like it's a it's really fun um adventures as he tries to you know get everything back to um you know what it's supposed to be of course i don't know it's hard to go into more details without you know spoiling things because the plot is a little convoluted but it's just a lot of fun and it's really funny. And um, it's kind of uh, the time where he, well, if anyone's familiar with um, the PG Wodehouse books about uh, Jeeves, it's the tone is a lot like that. And, you know, it takes place um, during that same kind of era where people have butlers and stuff. And, you know, he ends up, staying at this um certain person's house and um you know by his uh, mistake of talking to the wrong person and losing the cat um he has kind of messed up history because um uh the you know the person who um there's a, a woman who is supposed to you know, meet some guy at the train station and fall in love or something. And he um, actually accidentally kind of, you know, causes that not to happen. So anyway, the book is about him um, trying to put history back the way it's supposed to go. You know, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that sounds like fun. Totally different from the Doomsday book. That's interesting. That was just, you know, straightforward and very sad. Mm-hmm. Didn't have a whole lot of plot twists, I don't think. It's been a while since I read it. 
trying to keep it straight from Geraldine Books's plot, The Year of Wonders. I mean, book, The Year of Wonders. That was about mm-hmm. the plague, too. So I think I read them fairly close to each other so I can get them mixed up. Yeah, there are two or three books in that time travel series. I don't remember the titles. They all take place during World War II. Uh, and I can't remember the name of the cathedral you're talking about. It's fairly, it was fairly famous because I think the British, after that cathedral was bombed, the British retaliated by bombing the cathedral in Cologne. Right, right. That's, yeah, that's part of, yeah, that's part of why it was, you know, so historically important. Uh, I think it was Coventry, uh, as far as I know. Um, yeah. Yeah, that was it. Yeah, I kept trying to come up with a cathedral that had a P in it for some reason. Yeah. And of course, yeah, all the while, while this, you know, the main character is trying to fix history, this, um, the woman who's in charge of building the new cathedral in the future is, you know, trying to, um, you know, get him to keep looking for this statue or whatever it was and called the bishop bishop's bird stump i believe right. <laughs> that's a kind of interesting name the bishop's bird what was the rest of it bird bishop's. stump oh bird stump <laughs> Well, I guess we're kind of fantasy read out for this month. I don't know. I don't have any other books that I've read. I'll probably continue to read the um, Todd, Todd McCaffrey trilogy. It's pretty fun. But then, of course, I have to stop at some point and find another book to read for the group. I'm reading one now that my sister recommended. Or at least I'm trying to read it. It's by a lady named Natasha Pulley. It's called The Watchmaker of Something Street. And it's kind of weird because it starts out in the late 1800s and the Irish are blowing up buildings and this guy gets a magical watch and I'm kind of confused about it. <laughs> hmm. Haven't read that one myself. I think there was one I I think it was when we were still reading books as a group by Beth Cato or something about a watch, but that wasn't I think that was Victorian England with steampunk elements that was 
Maybe I should go well, check I on have, that series again. I kind of have the feeling that this is kind of like an LSD trip. Because oh, <laughs> there, there are just weird things happening. Oh, hmm. Kind of like, what was that book called? Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas? Sorry, but I've never read that one. I don't think I actually read the whole thing either. I had to read it for college and it was, eh, it wasn't very good. I didn't finish it because I'm glad that I didn't get tested on it. Because <laughs> I wouldn't have done very well. By Hunter S. Thompson. Well, I never did very well with school books. I was assigned. I remember trying to read Crime and Punishment, and boy, talk about a sleeping pill. I'd start <laughs> that book, and I'd be asleep. I think I downloaded that on Audible a long time ago. It was one of the classic books they were like... It was one of the two-for-one credit deals. I don't think I've ever actually read it. It's just sitting on my, my phone. I kind of wonder why I bothered. I guess I wanted to read something classic. Yeah, well, I'm trying to get through The Wind in the Willows, which is probably a fantasy book since it involves talking animals and all this stuff. Right. I remember reading that as a teenager, I think. Jeez, that was a long time ago. That was around the same time I read Arrow, The Arrows of the Queen. Which I've read a couple times since, but. Only so many times you can read those trilogies before you want to move on to something else, even though they are one. I don't know. I've I've started rereading those because I've read some of her newer books, and the magic just isn't there anymore. I know. I don't know if she's like deliberately changing her style to fit the young adult audience, or if she just can't write the way she used to. One of those things you can't really ask her. <laughs> well, a friend of mine who likes science fiction says that when they started teaching science fiction as a subject in college, that's when things started going downhill. Well, that's really weird. I wonder... Because people were restricted by what they thought they had to write? Oh, that's an interesting theory. I don't know, but I don't think you can teach someone to be an interesting writer. I think there has to be something else there. It's like trying to teach someone to be a, you know, a famous artist. They're just, you either have it or you don't. Yeah, 
I think I'd have to agree with that. There was this one person who was trying to write a book and, you know, you could tell she was working hard at it because she kept submitting chapters, but they just weren't very good. It was kind of depressing. And the other question is, is what are the publishers selecting? You know, if they have the idea that everything has to be a masterpiece, you know, that's not going to work. There may be perfectly (laughs) good writers, but they're not masterpieces. Right. I don't think the majority of writing could be called a masterpiece. I mean, there's only a select few authors I can think of in any genre. I mean, I'm going to have to really think about it who would be considered masterpiece quality anyway. Most writers just aren't that good. Well, and when the publishers, you know, say they have to write, you know, N number of words, you know, they're just trying to fill up space. And that may be the other part of the problem. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. You can't really predict how long your book is going to be. Well, okay. I guess some writers do, but I don't try to do that because then it would kill the book. But I mean, that's just me. I don't, that, I, I would find it really hard to work under those constraints because if the book was supposed to be, you know, sort of like a semi-short story and they wanted it to be a novel, I wouldn't know how to finish it. Because it would just be too long. And I think maybe given the number of books that can be published, you know, the publishers want hits with every book. And nobody's going to write every book as a hit or every book will be a hit. Oh. Yeah, that's totally unrealistic too. I mean... Some books audiences are going to like, and some books they're just not. I mean, that's kind of the way that works. That's the same with any sort of artsy thing people do. Yes? Hold on a sec. Okay. 